thank you, Lord, for another opportunity this side of eternity to stand behind this sacred desk and preach the Word of God. Lord, your Word is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would anoint as you have so many times before. Thank you for the many times that have passed over my head that I have stood in this same spot and preached to many of these same people. I ask you, Lord, for something of which I'm not worthy. I ask you to touch me and anoint me that I might be a speaker for you today. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. Moses was standing on the backside of Midian when the Bible said God found him. He'd been 40 years wandering back in that wilderness since he fled from Egypt after killing an Egyptian for beating a Hebrew. On the run, a fugitive, and while tending sheep on the backside of Midian, the Lord appeared to him and said, I've got something for you to do. I want you to go down into Egypt and tell Pharaoh, I said, let my people go. Moses said, Lord, they don't know you. Who, who shall I tell them that you are? And God said, tell them I am, that I am sent you. And that when you get there, tell Pharaoh that I am telling him, let my people go. Well, we all know the story about the frogs and the flies and the Nile turning into blood and all of the things that happened and how that eventually Pharaoh agreed after the death of every firstborn and every family in Egypt except in the people of God. And I preach that sermon sometimes, there's always light in Goshen. In Goshen, there is always salvation. In Goshen, there is always deliverance. In Goshen, there's always grace. There's always protection. So the Bible tells us that when the death angel passed over the people of God, they were told to kill a, a lamb, a special lamb, feed it certain things before the day it would be offered, and then take the blood of that lamb and smear it upon the door lintel of their house and the Bible said, And the death angel, when he sees the blood, he will pass over you. So therefore we have an event called Passover. That every year, it's called the Day of Atonement. It's called Purim. It is that time of year when our Lord was crucified and rose from the dead. It is an event that happened in Hebrew history that uh, is unforgettable. And God said, don't ever forget the Passover. Don't ever forget what has happened in Egypt because you're going to have a future that is full of events that you're going to need to know what you have learned in this Passover situation. Have you ever been in a hardship and a difficulty and felt like God was preparing you because of something that was in your future that God knew about and what God was letting things happen that would strengthen you and experience you and give you knowledge on what to do and how to act when you got in the midst of trouble and adversity. Well, that's the way this was with Israel. And the Bible says that they, they were let go. And you know the story how that Pharaoh followed them 
uh, toward the Red Sea and the great event of rolling back Cecil B. DeMille's uh, picture of that on uh, motion picture screens is one of the most famous things in all of uh, history of uh, uh, motion pictures is the opening of the waters of the Red Sea and piling them up and making them flow all the way back to Adam. A lot of preaching to do there, but that's not my subject. And we, we learn that God is to be trusted in times when He's leading and when He's guiding and when He's speaking. And when God is speaking and God has our attention, we need to, one, honor God, we need to watch God, and we need to serve God and worship God. Those are important things. They're good for every day of the week. They're good for every year on the calendar. They're good for men. They're good for women. They're good for children. They're good for parents. They're good for people of all walks of life for us to live by. As watch the Lord, honor the Lord, and listen to God. Listen to Him. Honor Him. Let me follow those three good things of advice. I think those are three good things for advice. They're just in the notes as a pastor, but the Holy Ghost is telling me to expand a little bit on those things. You see, God wants us to live in a relationship where He doesn't get out of our sight. That we always are looking to Him. Oh, the Bible said no man has seen God at any time and lived. That's true. That's true. But when God says look to Him, He is saying to us, give your attention to spiritual things. He's saying to us, behold the things that are important to us. They are important to God. And if we'll make the things that God loves the things that we love, and if we'll make the things that God hates the things that we hate, then we will observe God working and learn His mysterious way of doing what He does. Does you, do you ever read the Scriptures and you get confused about the way God does some things? Well, His ways are not our ways. His ways are so far above our ways as far as the heaven is above the earth. And because God doesn't have to account to anybody, and God doesn't have to explain His actions to anybody, we need to pay attention to God and, and to watch God. Watch God and give Him our, our attention and give Him our devotion knowing that if we put our trust and our worship and our attention in God, we will never fail to be rewarded for that effort. Anytime that you worship Him and you look to Him. In fact, the poet says, Look to me, all ye ends of the earth, and be saved. Look to Jesus. The Bible says in one of the great verses in Hebrews, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. Well, these children of Israel, they were working through all of their situation, and as they ran from Pharaoh and ran from the oppression and, and the uh, brutality of the Egyptians, they came to a place called a Red Sea, and God opened the doors opened the waters, and they walked through on dry land. Now, I've heard a lot of uh, geologists and archaeologists talk about uh, a shift in certain latitudes and that kind of thing, and it caused the water to shift, and the water ran out, and they said left a muddy mess, and that the children of Israel walked across on the mud 
that was in the bottom of the Red Sea, the silt, as it were. But the Bible says dry ground. And you know, if, if God's word says it was dry ground, then Mark Moore, I believe you could have kicked up dust out there in the middle of it. If God's word said it was dry, bless your soul, it was dry. It wasn't mud and it wasn't silt. It was actually what God said it was. It was dry ground. Amen. And they crossed over the Red Sea. You'd think all their problems now were solved after God had got rid of the Egyptians and God had delivered them and they were out of harm's way and they'd just seen a great miracle take place. Wow, you would think these people would be ready for anything. But God led them to the promised land. And He challenged them. He said, go in. There's always a message. When God is present, there's always a message. Always a message. God said, I've got a message for you. Got a message for you. When Don does funerals, as we so oftentimes do with me, he'll always say, let's give a hand clap. The Bible said, enter into the courts of, of praise. Enter, enter with uh, joy and thanksgiving in your heart. And he, he does that. And oftentimes he will quote something that his, when his mother passed away, he said, God spoke to him in that hour and said, Arise and cross over this Jordan. It's time to stop mourning. It's time to stop grieving. Moses, my servant, is dead. He's not coming back. I've already taken care of him. He's in my care. He's in my keeping. Trust me and get up now. It's enough grieving, enough sorrow, enough time to hurt. Get up and cross over this Jordan. Wow, boy, that's good words, isn't it? Have you ever had God to kind of take you by the shoulders and lift you up and say, hey, that's enough of that now. It's time for us to get on with it. Have you ever had God to give you a little swift kick in the pants and say, hey, let's get going here now. This is, that's enough of that. Enough grieving, enough grumbling, enough complaining, enough finding fault. Hey, we're past that. Let's go. Let's get up and let's go. Well, praise the Lord. That's exactly what, what happened. God said, Joshua, you're to lead my people now, and here is the message. It's in chapter 3 of Joshua, verse 5. And Joshua said unto all the people, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. Somebody say tomorrow. Tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Oh, I wish we could get up and all be prophets today. And every one of us could say, sanctify yourselves because tomorrow, in this coming year, in the coming week, in the coming months, prepare yourself because the Lord, on the morrow, our Lord will do great things. I hope that this church is a place where great things happen. I trust that your individual life, your home, your family will be a place that we can prophesy and say to sanctify yourselves for tomorrow God will do great things in your family. God will do great things in your business. God will do great things in your job, in your preparation, your relationships. God will do great things. How many believe God does great things? I don't think God does anything that's not great. I think everything God does is great. Well, God led them at Kadesh Barnea up to the promised land. It's time to go over. Time to go in. 
And Joshua sent out spies, 12 of them, you remember? And two of them, Caleb and Joshua, they came back and they said, we've got good reports, got good reports. We're well able to take that land. We're well able. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. But the other ten spies said, all oh, their cities are walled cities. And they're well fortified. And they're warlike people. They're fierce. And they're big too. They're stout people and they're warlike. And they're accustomed to war. We've not fought a war in hundreds of years. We're just people wandering around in a wilderness following God. We don't know how to fight. We don't have a chance. They'll wipe us off the face of the earth. We're like grasshoppers in our own sight. What are you talking about, Pastor? Attitude. Attitude. Brother, if you've got a bad attitude, you're whipped before you ever raise the sword to fight. If you're doubt and you're full, full of all kinds of negative and you think, I can't do this, we're never going to make it, we're going to get defeated, we're going to get beat, we don't have a chance, we're, we're stupid, we're ignorant, we try to do things that's so impossible. My Lord, why would we even try something like that? You might as well sit in your seat. Because you're not going to do anything for God. Why? Attitude. Attitude. But I am sad to say attitude, the bad attitude, prevailed. And God said, Joshua, take these people back into the wilderness. They're not going in. Wander in the wilderness for another 40 years until every person in this generation dies. And when all of that disbelief dies out, we'll try it again. I wonder how many churches today are wandering in the wilderness because God led them to the door, but they didn't have the faith to go in. And He turned them back to wander in a wilderness because they didn't have the courage and the faith to trust God and walk through the door. Wow. Wow. That's all right. You don't have to holler amen. I'm preaching now. I'm trying to tell you your attitude determines your altitude. And if you don't want to run with turkeys, you better get a better attitude so you can soar with eagles. I mean, it's either soar with eagles or run with turkeys, whichever one you want to do. Well, for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness, wrath, judgment, death, destruction, and finally the last one in that generation died out. And God brought them back. Brought them back. Now 40 years earlier, some spies talked them out of it. This time there's a Jordan River here. Well, Pastor, what's so bad about that? It's only 100 feet wide. Well, what you need to read some more there is that God said He led them there at the time of harvest. 
God's timing was at the very worst time, Susan, it could be. That river was out of its banks, and what was a hundred feet wide was nearly a mile wide by the time all the floodwaters had come through and the snowmelt had melted up on Mount Hermon and had run down into the river and it had swollen outside its banks. What was a just little hundred feet to get across now is a mile. I want you to try to get this and get your mind wrapped around this. You're standing here on the banks and you see one mile of water in front of you. And God is saying to you, cross over this water. But God, that don't make sense. I'm not limited by making sense. But God, we, we can't do that. There's no way. We, if we tried to swim it, there's no way we could swim that far. And that current, it's raging. These are, these are violent, turbulent waters. And as one who has stood in those waters in that snow melt, I'm telling you, that's cold water. You wouldn't swim very far in that. I baptized 27 in that cold water of Jordan. And the thing about that is, Don, they got in and got out. I didn't get to get out. I had to stay in until I baptized 27 of them. When I got out, they packed blankets all over me and heated towels and did everything in the world to try to <laughs> revive me. Cold water's not good for you, Lord. That water's cold. Surely you can't expect us to do the impossible. But the Bible said, Joshua said these words, Tell everybody, you priests, go through the crowd. Tell all four million of these folks that are gathered out here to sanctify yourself because tomorrow we're going to cross over this Jordan. Tomorrow we're going to get it done. Tomorrow is the day of destiny. Tomorrow is the right time. We're going to do what we need to do tomorrow. You see, when you prophetically and anointedly speak the Word of God, there's power in speaking the Word of God. That's why you need to memorize Scripture and you need to know what the Bible says because that Word is anointed and that Word is powerful. That Word packs a wallop. That Word will crush walls down. That wall will, will grind a stone to powder. That, that Word will take hardness and make it just sand in your hands. That word is dynamite. And the, and the devil hates that word. Do you know why he hates that word? Because that word, the Bible said, is true and it's faithful. And there is nothing about Satan that's true and faithful. He is a lie and the father of a lie. So he hates the truth. When you speak the truth and declare the truth, you bombard hell with the truth. You see, truth stands alone. It doesn't need anything to support it. Lies, you've got to prop them up with every prop you can think of to try to prop up a lie. But the truth of God stands 
alone. Tell these people tomorrow we're going to cross over this Jordan. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Because tomorrow every one of us is going to obey God. We're going to do what God wants us to do. Isn't that powerful? And the Bible said in the next day, they told the people, said, Joshua, tell the people to stand about 3,000 feet back away. Why? Why did God not want the people of God up close to the water? Why did God choose to tell them back up 3,000 feet? Why did God do that, Pastor? Why did God back them up to go forward? God wanted them to see something they couldn't see from where they were. They had to back up in order to see the whole thing God was doing. It's called the big picture. Sometimes you're just too close. You're not seeing the big picture. You're so close that you can't see many of the things that's going on because from your vantage point, it's not visible. But if you can back off a little bit and look at the big picture, you'll see things that you've never seen before. You'll have revelation. You'll have wisdom. You'll have understanding that you can't get when you're too close. Sometimes you're too close. Why was it then, Pastor, that he wanted them to back up so they could see? Because the Ark of the Covenant was going to lead the way. Ark of the Covenant. Seven times in chapter 3 alone, it says the Ark of the Covenant. And when the Holy Ghost says something seven times, what is seven? The number of completion. When you say, God, you've said it all. There's nothing to add to it. There, you don't have to prop it up with any superlatives. When you have presence and you have anointing, you see that ark contained three things. It contained Aaron's rod that budded. It contained the broken law of God that Moses threw down and broke the tablets, you know. Because the children of Israel was worshiping a cow. Third thing that was in that was a pot of manna. And what that was, was when the children of Israel said, we don't have anything to eat. You've got us out here in this wilderness and we don't have any food. And God said, I'll feed you. I'll feed you. You're not beyond where I can feed you. You can't travel so far that I can't take care of you. And the Bible said every day they would go out and gather it up and bring it in and prepare it. But you know, human nature is so funny about stuff like that. They didn't have to work. They didn't have to till any ground. They didn't have to fertilize. They didn't have to water. Just go out there and pick it up. Listen to their attitude. You ready for this? They said, we loathe this manna. We hate this manna. 
We've had manana pudding. And we've had manna sandwiches. We've had manna barbecue and manna stew. We're sick of this manna and we loathe this light bread. And I love God. Do you believe God's got a sense of humor? I love the way God sometimes has a sense of humor. He says to them, he says, okay, you don't want any more manna? I'll give you meat. I'll give you quail meat to eat. And listen to what God says. And you will eat quail meat till it runs out your nostrils. So next time before you grumble and complain, you might ought to think about it. So here these people were facing this Jordan and this Ark of the Covenant. Now what that was, was the visible symbol of God's presence. That's what the Ark of the Covenant, it represents God's anointing. It represents God's power. It represents God's grace, God's, God's love, God's ability to heal and deliver. And if that is leading the charge, then praise God, you need to step into the water. Brother, you need to say, hey, I'm a candidate. If God's going through the water, I'm going to get in line. If God says go, it's a mile across that water. But if God's going, I believe I'll go too. Because it would be unsafe to stay here if God is going there. Woo, boy, I feel kind of preachy right now. If God's going over, then I believe I need to get with God because where God goes... That's the best place for me. Where God goes, that's the greatest direction for me. Where God goes, that's where I need to be. Praise God. I, I wish Harvest would get so in love with what God is doing that Harvest would say, Where, wherever God goes, I'm going. Whatever God says, I'm saying. Where, whatever God does, that's what I'm doing. Whatever God embraces, that's what I'm going to embrace. And the Bible said, they stepped in the water, and the Bible said, and the water began to part. The water began to part. God did a miracle for them. A miracle. How many of you know that God does miracles? God does miracles. And the Bible said, come on, Olivia, I'll say those magic words. God said, there's something I want you to do. He said, I want you to put up a memorial. Put a memorial up on the other side of this Jordan. Why, God, what kind? Pile up some rocks. Stack them up. Pile up some rocks. Anoint them with oil. A memorial? What, what is a memorial? It's to remind you. It's a memory kind of thing. And he said, and when your children walk past this memorial and they say, Dad, 
What do these rocks mean? Oh, son, that's the day the Lord delivered us. That's the day God parted the waters. That's the day God, through a miracle of His power, made a way for us when there was no way. That's how God got us across an impossible situation. And we don't ever want to forget what God has done. That's there so we will remember it. So that we'll tell our children about it. You know, I'm afraid that many of the great stories of God's work and God's activity is not being told. I'm afraid that many of the things that God has done over the years, those stories are not being told. We've become so familiar with sacred things that they no longer hold their value and hold their worth. That's one of the great things about testimony service that we used to have. People would get up and tell about how God has been good to me. What God has done for me. I know the stories about my dad's healing when I was a six-year-old boy. He'd had a stroke and his hands were drawn and he couldn't breathe. The members of the church came in and laid their hands on him, Mark, and prayed in the name of Jesus. His hands straightened up and his mouth came around straight and he began to shout and praise the Lord. I remember a night when my brother Michael was a baby And there was a diphtheria epidemic going on in Birmingham at the time. Hospitals were full. No more room in the hospitals. Little children dying every day. Daddy came in from preaching a revival. And Michael, my baby brother, was choking to death with diphtheria. And I watched my daddy go up those stairs, Randy, and pick that baby up in his arms and walk down those steps and sit in that big chair in the living room. And I knelt down there beside the chair. And I heard my daddy pray. He said, God, I've been out bragging on you tonight. I've been out telling people what a great God you are. I've been out telling people how you save and you deliver and you heal. And now, God, I need you to touch my baby. Looked down at Michael and he'd already gone back to sleep. No more diphtheria. No more choking. No more coughing. Healed and delivered. I could go on and on and on telling you just such miracles that God has wrought just like that. Those are our stories. We always need to remember our story. And we need to tell our story. Mark, our story is important to us. We need to tell our stories. We need to tell about miraculous healing. Debbie's first cousin, his name is Lawson. He's a doctor in Albany, Georgia. He got cancer. 
He'd wasted away to just nothing. The chemotherapy had just about burned him up. He was laying in a hospital in Albany, Georgia. And the doctor came in and looked at Joel Dean, his wife, and said, Joel Dean, I'm going to go to lunch. And when I get back, Bill won't be here. She said, oh yes, he will. Said, no, he won't be here when I get back from lunch. She said, yes, he will. God has told me he's going to heal him. And that doctor looked at Joel Dean Lawson and said, young lady, said, you're a fool and you're setting yourself up for the worst hurt that you could imagine. When that doctor walked out of that room, Joel Dean went over to that little cot where she'd slept for the last number of nights. And she knelt down and she said, God, my daddy raised me. Hauled me around in an old car from state to state preaching revivals and establishing churches. God, I've lived my whole life loving You and believing You. And God, I need You to do for me right now what we've preached about so many years. About that time, Shirley Kay, Bill Lawson sat up in his bed, blinked his eyes, and he looked at Joel Dean Lawson and said, Joel Dean, I'm hungry. Can you find me something to eat? That's not a fairy tale. That's a real story. That's a memorial. I said, that's a memorial. It lets me know what God has done. And because I know what He has done, Susan, I can trust Him. Because if He's done it once, He can do it again. He's no respecter of persons. He said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will do for you what no other power can do. No matter what the limitations or how late the hour, our God will do it for you. But then God said to him, Joshua said, said, all of you guys get some rocks and put those rocks out here in the middle of this Jordan River. And the Bible said they brought the rocks and they put the rocks in the riverbed so that when they walked out on the other side and the waters flowed back, it covered up that memorial. And you say, well, pastor, why did they fix it so that nobody else could see but God? Why did they build a memorial that nobody, no other person's going to see? Just God. It's because there are times when no other person on earth understands but God does. It's for those times when nobody else knows how bad you hurt, but God does. It's for those times when the lonesomeness and the loneliness is so hard and so hurtful that no other human being knows, but God knows. It's when betrayal is so fierce and so hard to bear 
that nobody else knows how you feel, but God knows. When you've been misunderstood and people misunderstand your heart, God says, don't worry. I know what's in your heart. And so many times, people don't understand you and don't understand why you feel like you do. And it's because they can't see your heart. But I want to tell you, there's a God. And man looks upon the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. You remember when David looked out in the valley of Elah and he saw a giant that was 10 foot tall. And he's just a 16, 17 year old boy. Saul said, we'll get you some armor here and put some armor on you. But David said, no, I, I wouldn't fit in that. That's someone else's armor. It's not mine. So I don't need to do that. I've got a little sling over here and there's some stones down in the brook. That's what I'm accustomed to and that's what I'll resort to. And the Bible said when David walked out in the valley, Goliath said, What am I, a dog that you'd send out a runt like this to fight me? I'm insulted. And David said, will you just be insulted? I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to cut your head off. And that's exactly what he did. He turned loose of a stone. And he is like me. He is probably left-handed. And that stone went as straight to the forehead of Goliath and he fell dead on the ground. And the giant that was 10 foot was suddenly 9 foot. Because David whacked his head off. And David gave a command. He said, get the armor off of him. Take that armor off that giant. What do you want with Goliath's armor, David? I'm going to put it in my tent. Why are you going to put that armor in your tent? Because every time I walk by it, I'm going to remind myself and God is going to show himself to me. I am the Lord that delivers. I am the Lord that sustains. I am the Lord that comes to your rescue. Are there any memorials laying around in your house that's got a story behind it? Are there any memorials laying around in your kitchen? Is there any memorials on your office desk? that reminds you that's the time the Lord heard my prayer. That's the time the Lord touched me. When I was just a little old boy playing at Granny's house, she'd be choking off biscuits and making some biscuits for breakfast. And John, she'd walk over and she'd choke one off. She had her Bible open laying on that old table. And she'd go over there and she'd read some of it. Be not dismayed, neither be thou afraid. The Lord is on our side. Woo! Oh, you'd hear all over the community. Woo! 
she'd choke off another and she'd pat it down in the pants. She'd look over. Blessed be the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Joey, I'd go over sometimes and being a child, I'd close her Bible. And brother, next time she come back to that Bible, she'd say, Oh, Sonny, we don't have Bibles that close lids around here. Every Bible in this house is open. Don't ever close Granny's Bible. Oh, glory to God. I feel like shouting right here where I am. See, that's a memorial. That's a memorial. Many times she's read that Bible and cooled the fevered brow of her children. Many times she's read that Bible and God brought a ton of coal when she couldn't have any way to keep warm. Many times when she's read that Bible, God has brought someone in the community with some groceries for some food to eat because she didn't have any. I want to tell you, we need, Mark, we need some memorials. We need to remember that God keeps His Word. We need to remember that God is faithful, that God does what He says He'll do. He keeps His promises. He'll be there when He's supposed to be there. He'll do what He's supposed to do because He's God, and beside Him there is none other. Stand to your feet. Well, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I... I feel good in my sanctified soul, don't you? Praise God. Praise God. If you're here today and you need to be encouraged, facing a brand new year, 2021 beat you up pretty bad. 2021, you went through some tough things. 2021, you lost some valuable things people and some valuable things you're looking at 2022 and saying Lord I hope it's not like it used to be you know I hope it's not another year like that well I want to tell you let come what may my heavenly father watches over me I trust in God I know He cares for me. On mountains bleak or tossed on rolling sea, though billows roll, He keeps my soul. My heavenly Father watches over me. Is He watching over you today? Dear Lord, I thank You for this congregation of people that have sat and listened to Your Word today. I thank You for the anointing power of God. I thank You for liberty today to talk about the things of God. And I ask You, Lord, that You would encourage the people of God. And I pray, O oh Lord, today that You would put hope and faith and peace in the hearts and lives of people in this building. Yes, the way ahead may be rough and it may be stormy, but God, if You go with us, all will be well. If you go with us, God, don't leave us, God. Don't, don't let Thy Holy Spirit be taken from us. God, show up for this church in 2022. 
God, let the services be anointed. Let people come in that door and let them be gripped by the Spirit of the Lord Jesus. Go with these folks now, O Lord, on this holiday weekend and keep them safe from harm and danger. Bring us back together without the loss of a person and we'll thank you for it in Christ's eternal name. Amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. Praise God. God go with you is our prayer.